Well, good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. And our top story today, educating board members so they can fulfill their fiduciary responsibilities to plan members. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Marcy Frost is the Chief Executive Officer for CalPERS. Marcy, great to see you again. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Yeah, it's great to see you again, Jeff. And uh, Marcy, I want to start off um, just talking about generally the, the CalPERS retirement portfolio. Do you want to share kind of where the portfolio is? We've, we've got a lot of inflation, a lot of headwinds, kind of balancing the, the market with bulls and bears. How do you see it at CalPERS? Well, you know, we're, we're right at that midpoint of our four-year asset liability review, and that will be a session that we'll take the board through uh, in November. Uh, but remember, two years ago, we did make some changes to the portfolio. We had upped uh, the assets and more of the private markets. Uh, that would include private equity and private credit. And our private credit, uh, even though we only had half of that 5% uh, allocated at the time the returns were announced at the end of June, uh, the team, a very small but mighty team, was able to get about half that into play. And, and it uh, pretty significantly outperformed its benchmark. So that's been a really good no news story, even though it's a relatively smaller portion of the portfolio. Uh, the other part is moving you know, private equity and, and looking at private equity you know, a little bit differently and having more diversification there, not just in the fund of funds, but how can we do more co-investments? How do we get you know, access to some of the smaller managers, which I'll talk a little bit more about, our Catalyst, our Mosaic platform, as we're trying to build new entrepreneurs to get to that next, you know, next level where an institutional investor like CalPERS or the size of CalPERS can do that uh, more directly. Uh, and so I think those have done well. Uh, the you know, public equity side, the public market side, uh, we do have some drawdown risk protection still in public equity as well as fixed income uh, that did have a, a drag, an intentional you know, drag on returns. What we've always said is that the downside risk is going to hurt us more than the upside is going to help us. But you know, in November, I think it will be very important. I've got pretty significant turnover on our board and they're all in their onboarding and learning. And so we just need to go back to the building blocks with our board and explain, you know, not only the strategic asset allocation that we put in place two years ago, but also this drawdown risk protection and how it's performed since inception. So I think that will be a really good opportunity for this board to make some important decisions moving forward. And, and Marcy, I want to talk a little bit about the. You mentioned there's some turnover. Can you talk a little bit about um, board education? Uh, I think a lot of public plan sponsors watching, and also people maybe not understanding uh, what goes into managing um, a, such a large portfolio, because it's not just uh, Marcy Frost making the decisions. There's a group of people, and then there are people who have s similar to a fiduciary responsibility for the plan. Right. Yeah. So every one of our 13 board members, and we actually have a vacancy on the board at this point in time, but so there's 12, but all of them carry that very significant fiduciary responsibility, every decision made for the exclusive, exclusive benefit of being able to pay our members, our retirees. And so um, just a bit of an anecdote, I am coming up on my seventh year, if you can believe that, as a CEO at CalPERS uh, in October. Bravo. Thank you. And there is one remaining board member who actually hired me, and that is the current board president, uh, Teresa Taylor. And so just kind of a variety 
of reasons for that turnover. We run member elections and every now and then, you know, someone who wanted to run again for a four-year term was not successful and we've got a new board member coming in. We have, uh, you know, a new state controller and a newer, newer, I think, you know, newer state treasurer. So um, it's typically through member elections. We have a couple of newer governor appointees. It's the insurance representative that the governor appoints, which is, which is vacant. And so onboarding and that board education cycle uh, is, is really very important to the board. It's really important to the team and, you know, really drives the way that we interact with one another. How is appropriate governance? What is the role of the board? What's the role of the team? Uh, the board has, you know, given the team, and I think from a good governance standpoint, a lot of delegated uh, authority, which includes you know, running the investment deals, approving the investment deals. But when you have that level of delegated authority, you really have to up your transparency. You have to be able to explain to the board on a regular basis through a variety of channels, how that delegation is being used. So deal flow, for example, one of the things that they're very interested in is private equity deal flow. What are we looking at? Um, what does venture look like? So we're you know, talking about funding more venture, um, this mosaic platform, are we finding the diverse entrepreneurs that we really set out to find through TPG and through Grosvenor uh, relationships? So uh, we you know, have tried to find a variety of ways, again, to make sure that they are informed. But, you know, I must you know acknowledge that I'm still trying to learn what this board's preferences are. And then we probably need to recalibrate uh, some of that data, some of that information for them. So we try to do a combination of external sessions, external onboarding sessions, as well as internal sessions with, with the team. So within, before someone even gets into their first board meeting, they're getting their fiduciary training with our general counsel and their outside fiduciary counsel. And then we run into, uh, you know, meeting directly with the investment office, reading direct uh, directly with the health plans, uh, meeting directly with the operational side of the house to understand really the significant policies that have been approved over time and just being able to answer their questions. But, you know, I remember this, I was a trustee in Washington and it, it takes some time to, until you feel pretty comfortable that you, you understand not only the decisions that have been made, but also what your role is and how can you best contribute based on your own experience. So we're right in the midst of that. Uh, they're getting ready to go into another self-assessment. And uh, in January, we will get the results of that self-assessment. And I think likely onboarding will come up again. It's come up in the past and uh, some succession, which I'll be running the board through. Just, you know, everyone's looking at succession because, I think if the pandemic uh, taught us anything, there was a bit of a, a severing of the relationship <laughs> between employees and their employer, and people are much more mobile and portable than they ever have been. So we really have to be thinking about how do we develop our own talent? How do we develop our own team so those opportunities exist uh, for the team? Yeah, and Marcy, uh, you have a very deep investment team, a lot of knowledge there, but but you also, not you personally, but CalPERS leverages independent outside consultants that act in a fiduciary uh, 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 purview in terms of providing benefit. How do, how do you use consultants? I think a lot of folks might have an interest in, in that. So you've got this board, they've got the fiduciary, if you will, responsibility. You've got a team of making investment decisions, bringing it to the board. How do you leverage outside uh, folks to um, bring you the best ideas and what's happening around the, basically around the world? Mm -hmm. 
you know, I think that there are a couple of ways uh, that we do that. Uh, the board does have uh, independent mm -hmm. consultants uh, who, you know, they get to select, they get to choose. We finished up that RFP process uh, last uh, spring. And so we've got Makita and then we've got Wilshire as the general uh, investment consultant to the board. And then Makita's got the asset class uh, side of it. Um, but what it really comes down to is the those independent consultants having a really good working relationship with the team. Uh, the consultants are, you know, typically embedded in in the teams where they are sitting at a table, uh, when we're looking at due diligence, we're looking at a particular deal and they're giving input there. They're also being able to advise the board if the board has questions on agenda items. And so I think that has worked really well here. And it, I, you know, in what, when I was in Washington state and I was the chair of the state investment board there, one of their governance uh, best practices, and I think it really was, is they have five independent uh, um, investment experts on the board. So each of them representing one of the asset classes. And they're sitting up there with the rest of the board who has voting authority. These five did not have voting authority, um, but they were there really to be part of that part of that group, part of that board, and be able to advise the, the board members, especially board members who are trying to get up to speed pretty quickly. Um, these are lay boards, typically don't come out of the investment industry. So having those consultants, having those investment experts, and being able to hear from others outside of your investment team, that, that's really important, I think, to not just fiduciary responsibility, but also to good governance. And so I think effectively, they're operating in that same manner, although they're not sitting, you know, up on the dais with the, with the CalPERS board. Yeah, I mean that's diversification. Talk about diversification with investing, but also diversification and ideas. Marcy, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back. We're going to talk about a third-party data breach. How do you manage through that? You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Marcy Frost. She's the Chief Executive Officer 
for CalPERS. Marcy, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. You got it. Uh, any, anything for you, Jeff? I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, Marcy, let's let's talk about this third party breach. And I want to, I, I want to, you know, there's been a lot out in the in the press and the media about it. So I think people are aware about it. But I want to talk more about your management, not you particularly, but CalPERS management of a data breach. Uh, organizations like yours, Marcy, are under a lot of threat in terms of data. You manage a lot of data. So security is going to be really important. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, you know, you just you t you think about the increased uh, threat landscape that, that you mentioned that um, it's just a matter of time. It's not when, you know, it's not if, it's when. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the when happened uh, through a third party uh, that we use for uh, member uh, death identification. And the reason that, you know, these pension plans and not just CalPERS, and you've seen some of this coverage through throughout this particular uh, breach, um, you know, it's very difficult to identify uh, to make sure that you're paying people that should be paid. And so notification of a member's death uh, is not always done you know, quickly uh, and responsibly to, to the pension fund. And so we, that runs the scenario where you have overpayments, very difficult to collect those overpayments. And so just to give you a bit of a statistic, we've only been, we've only been with the vendor since February of 2022. And uh, from February 2022 to May of 2023, there were 26,000 deaths um, in our in our member population, our retiree population. Uh, we were not made aware of 11,000 of those deaths. Those all came through this particular vendor. So the vendor relationship and the reason, the business reason why CalPERS entered into contract was still a very sound reason to do so. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, uh, we, there's some <laughs> bad actors out there, and they were able to compromise this this tool, this uh, move it tool. And so, so, you know, for us, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh. And so, for us, uh, knowing that you know, 769,000 retirees uh, were going to be, you know, notified uh, by us that the that the data breach had happened, uh, we worked very quickly to get that information out. Um, you know, but one of the things we have to be really cautious about is that we don't amplify a problem. We needed to spend a bit of time investigating what had happened. Was our data really part of the breach? Why? And do our own you know, identification and verification of it. But once we were certain that it happened, uh, we notified those 769,000 members. And what I, you know, what I told the team is that you know, what we will be genuinely assessed on is how responsive uh, we are to the members and how respectful we are throughout this entire process of engagement, knowing that this is a highly anxious time that people are really afraid of this. And so every decision that we made is, was, well, what, what would the members want in this case? How do we make sure that we satisfy their expectations? So as we're standing up contact centers, we were really careful about service level agreements. We didn't want anyone waiting on the phone for longer than 10 minutes. So we had times where we had to up the resources at the Experian Contact Center, uh, including our own contact center who was doing kind of the overflow of calls. And, you know, we did find that that spiked from time to time. And at one point we had 50, added 50 resources to that. And we've done some webinars. We've sat down with retiree groups and really tried to explain to the extent that we can. There's certain information, of course, in these kinds of incidents that we can't talk about. But we always wanted to be accessible. And what we can talk about, we will. What we can't talk about, we'll certainly tell you that as well. So, you know, I think, you know, with a really, really unfortunate situation, we really tried to stay focused 
focused on what would our members really need and what would they what would they want? Yeah, and th and this is just to be clear, this is not unique to the retirement or the benefits or the healthcare industry. I mean, this is happening across the planet. And I would add to your initial uh, thought is, you know, people want to know that you're dealing with the issue and that you're doing your best to resolve it. So the same issue doesn't happen again. I think people are really understand that stuff is going to break from time to time. It's kind of how you respond. Um, you, you, you talked about the response, Marcy, and, and I just want to kind of go back to something you said, which is you want to balance what you communicate because you don't want to give TMI. You don't want to give too much information because that opens it up to other bad actors. And by the way, it's, it's not only bad actors, individuals or groups, it's sovereign states that are <laughs> acting in a, in a bad interest. And having the largest pension fund, at least in the United States, I think you guys are in the top 10, maybe you're at the top. Um, I mean, that, that puts you square in the, in the target, a lot of these bad actors. Well, definitely. Yeah. I, I think we found that just because of the, you know, the financial nature of what we do, uh, the value of the information that we hold on the behalf of our members, it, it's, those are very high value targets, right? So, you know, and just to be clear, this was not, you know, this was not a breach of any CalPERS system. It, you know, really did happen with this vendor that we use for uh, notifying us of, of members' uh, deaths. But this was a, a very large um, breach. It wasn't certainly just CalPERS. It wasn't just the pension industry, as you mentioned. It happened in the financial sector. It happened in the insurance sector. And so, you know, it it doesn't really provide us that much relief to have to, you know, talk to our retirees. But what has been really confusing, and I think why we've seen a bit of this volatility in the number of calls and call duration coming in is as a new entity identifies that they are also impacted by it, they're sending out a notice to yep. retirees who may bank at this particular bank or have an insurance product at this you know, particular company, and they're getting another notice. And so they think that CalPERS has had a second you know, that had a second issue and, and that's just not the case. It's just, it's so widespread that a retiree, one of our retirees uh, may get two to three notices uh, that, you know, certain information has been, you know, compromised or consumed by these bad actors. Yeah, and how do you, uh, last question, I promise I'll let you go. In terms of clarity of message, I want to just talk about that because you got to have the leadership to guide an organization, the team through. You, you're interacting, people get interacted with, through your customer contact center, call center, however you phrase it, they're going to go to the website. They're going to, unfortunately, maybe go to social media, uh, 8,000 different platforms, and they're going to get some bad information. How do you, how do you tailor the message? I mean, you got a team around you, but how do you tailor that message? That's got to be challenging because there's so many moving parts. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we, we were very thoughtful from the beginning about how do we talk about this event? How do we really put ourselves in the position of this retiree and be able to provide as much information as we possibly could? So, you know, we have FAQs on our website and those FAQs have been updated based on questions that have come in that we did not anticipate. And so and those got updated very, very quickly. Uh, they received a direct letter. And in that letter, all of the FAQs were also that we had you know, collected prior to this were also in that letter. The letter ended up being a bit long, but we were happy to do that because we knew that the retirees in our case tend to like paper. 
more than they like electronic communication. So we put as much in that initial, you know, communication, that initial information as we possibly could. Um, and I think the other part is just staying close to the stakeholder groups, the retiree groups. We did meet with them in advance of uh, doing more of our public notification of uh, this vendor breach. And then just being available through town hall meetings or whatever they would like us to attend, uh, we are happy to do so. And, you know, we have this relationship with our members, our, our contact center, our customer service data with the over 2 million members we have at CalPERS is extremely high. We have over a 95% customer approval rating. And so we have this relationship and they have this expectation about the way that we serve them, how responsive we are, that we're respectful with them, we give them accurate information. And so it was a little bit surprising, I think, to uh, experience when they were trying to anticipate the number of contact center agents is they use the data that they had more in the public sector, right? So you have a company that had a breach and it affected a customer base. And that customer base doesn't have the same relationship with a company as a retiree does with CalPERS. So call volumes were up. We offered uh, two years of credit, uh, free credit monitoring. I think the, the typical is a year, but we think two years is, is right. Uh, we, we got some advice that typically, you know, two years seems to be around the right amount of time where if the data is going to be used, that's when it's going to be used within that two year period of time. And so we've got a 20% take up rate on that, which is three times the, the average in you know, that public you know, company to, to customer uh, scenario that I mentioned. And so you know, we'd like to see that 20% come up even more and uh, we're identifying some ways that, that um, we might be able to get that to increase by the end of September. Yeah, uh, really uh, a quick response, a thoughtful response. Marcy, we're going to have to leave, leave it there. There's so much I would love to talk to you about, but maybe you'll come back on the program yeah, again. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. All right. Thanks, Jeff. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, aging, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another great episode of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. Don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.